This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Cyber Frontiers, show number eight, recorded on September 15th, 2014. Here on Cyber Frontiers, we explore cybersecurity, big data, and the technologies that are shaping the future from an academic perspective. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in Bellevue, Nebraska, and we post the show with world-class show notes out at TheAverageGuy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, you can contact us. Send us an email, just jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. You can find me on Twitter at jcollison. And now you can call in those questions. This would be a great show to call those in on. Give us a call, 402-478-8450. We'll, if it's good, we'll play it on the show, and uh, we'll have one of these two guys answer it as well. Joining me tonight from the confines of the campus at the University of Maryland College Park. Actually, both of you are doing that, but we'll start over on Christian's side. Christian Johnson, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Rocking it out with a full-born cold within two weeks of being on campus. That's when you know when you're a real hero. Uh, Yeah, that's when you know school started is when everybody gets sick on the second week. Right, Right. pretty much. Uh, Hey, at least I caught it at the latter end, so apparently my immune system is is not failing me in all respects. Uh, But, you know, doing well. Uh, Two weeks into coursework, so stuff's getting busy pretty quick. Um, But we're definitely having... Good time here in the great Prince Frederick Hall where all things cyber and uh, inte- intellect around cyber takes place within a 100-foot radius. So. Hey, what do you got going on behind you? What's going on on the uh, the Cyber Frontier screen behind yeah, you? Yeah, so I, I guess we're just going to start calling this the official Cyber Frontier screen. I mean, I get, oh, I, I lost my background, but uh, I'm running Wireshark just to watch packets fly around this oh, building. Yeah. Uh, because there's uh, some interesting ways in which campuses, uh, particularly Maryland, have decided to do their IP address scheming. And uh, there's just a big block of IPv4s that this campus is sitting on, basically. And traditionally, all the residence halls get public IP addresses at these full, you know, one gig down, one gig up, well, at least here in Prince Frederick. So it's very interesting to watch what type of traffic comes over public IP interfaces uh-huh. sitting in the building. Uh, so not going to use that for any kind of future no, information never. gathering. <laughs> just, yeah. just it's a very interesting <laughs> picture. It, it teaches you a lot about life in general. Yeah, I bet it does. Well, in the cyberspace. Speaking of life in general, and sporting a new microphone this week with a new arm, Ashton Webster. Ashton, how are you? I'm great, and uh, hopefully the uh, the microphone's going to hold together now that we, you know, I did battle with it for about <laughs> we, 10 minutes. We did battle a few so. minutes before we got started with that thing, and I think it sounded good. It sounded good. It's looking good. Good so far. That was a, a tech scholarship fund purchase that we made to get you the arm and the microphone. The mic is good to go. I know that, but how's the arm so far? That was like a $25 arm from Amazon. They make a cheaper one. It's 15 but uh, wondering how well that's holding up for you. Right. So uh, first, thank you so much. I really appreciate the uh, the tech scholarship gift. So um, that's great. The the as far as the arm, um, now I'm not using it necessarily exactly the way it was intended to be used. I know that you posted a picture of it on Facebook, um, and I don't know if people could see that it was like it's on my dresser, uh, and it's kind of mounted vertically rather than like on a level um, plane. But I don't really have any complaints about it so far apparently when i tap it it's kind of uh yeah loud. it's a little thuddy when you boom it kind of makes a, a a nice echo when you smack it yeah so if i can avoid doing that um i don't know i haven't had a chance to use it much yet but okay. yeah um, well so far it, so it's, good it's, it's working it seems decent yeah it's working and, and just so anybody listening to this the tech scholarship fund is something we do over at, at home gadget geeks and uh if you use our Amazon affiliate link, theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon, you get that. Uh, we, we make a little bit, and it allows me to purchase those kinds of things. And uh, and so we, we bought one for uh, Ashton, sent it over to him, and now he is sporting a new ATR2100 as well. So we want to thank you guys for using the Amazon affiliate link over at theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon. All right, let's dig in a little bit. We got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, even though Christian is uh, not feeling well. I'm sure that uh, he's going to have his game on. Gentlemen, Christian, let's start with you. What's on slate for the evening? 
Sure. So we're going to kick it back a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk cybersecurity education because I feel like that's really kind of predominant to the reason why I'm in this building, the reason why Ashton's in that building. And I think it's good to talk about it just because uh, there's really, you know, a lot of people coming from different perspectives uh, on this show, especially in terms of background and cyber knowledge. And so I thought it would be good to get some information out there just about, you know, whether you're a high school student or whether you're an infosec professional, uh, you know, what, what, places, resources, events, opportunities are there to get involved in cyber and you know how can you kind of level up your skills if you want to uh, reach new levels in cyber education so that's kind of where we're going to go tonight. And we didn't want to keep it for I mean whether you're in high school, middle school, um, graduated from college and working in the force uh, we didn't want to restrict it to any one of those groups so hopefully there's something there for everyone that wants to improve their skills in cybersecurity, which should be pretty much everyone um, because it's 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 the up and coming thing, and uh, it's pretty important to have a good grasp on what it is and what's going on in it. All right, very good. Well, I told you guys, I gave you stri uh, strict instructions. I didn't want to talk any tonight. Apparently, from some feedback Christian got, Jim can't hold his own on this. That's that's kind of the the impression I got. You guys know what you're talking about. Jim's a little weak. So I just want to sit back this time. I'm going to turn it over to you guys and just let you go. I'm out. Wow. That's, that sounds a little passive-aggressive, Jim. I'm not, not, not sure, not sure we're going to be able to do that. <laughs> well, all right. So, so take it away. Yeah. So I, I guess first I just want to kind of go over, you know, the ACES program, uh, which is what we're doing here at the University of Maryland uh, Honors College for Cybersecurity. And we really, you know, we do get that inner class curriculum of, you know, foundations in cybersecurity, whether we're talking technical stuff, ethics, politics, economics, uh, law, etc. But a lot of, I guess, cyber interests can start a lot earlier than that. And we also find it the case that a lot of people learn about cybersecurity even after they're, you know, out of college and uh, become infosec professionals uh, after the fact. Uh, some of the really big things that have made ACES the interesting place it has become is what the students have decided to do to get involved in taking command of their own cyber education and not just basically sitting back and, you know, hitting up their classes once a week and, and leaving it at that. So yep. uh, we do a lot with uh, tech talks, workshops, uh, you know, training days. Um, we're involved in competitions in the state of Maryland, etc. So I, I think we just wanted to go kind of into that, uh, kind of show it the perspective from a college student a little bit and show what some of those opportunities are, at least here in the state of Maryland. Um, and then, you know, kind of pass that around and, and see, you know, are there things that there are common ground between age groups and what are some of the areas that are kind of in the beginner block, the intermediary block, and kind of the beyond beyond. So, uh, Ashton, is there anything in particular you want to start with in terms of, you know, what it is that gets you going about taking control of your cyber, uh, your cyber guru in, inside of you, so yeah, to speak? Yeah, well, uh, personally, um, when I was thinking of going like what college I was going to pick when I was in the college selection process. Um, I had already known that I wanted to do something in computer science. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was going to be computer or cybersecurity or whatever it may be. Um, and I got into this program for ACES. Um, and I don't want this podcast to be about, oh, ACES, we're very special and we do a lot of learning and it's a yeah. great group. Um, I want it to be for everyone. But the, the, the takeaway from this was I was looking at the curriculum and I was like, okay, there's research there's these classes that are interesting, you have a lot of great speakers, that sounds like something I want to do. And yes, that was good. That's not the reason why I like it now though. I think that what everyone can take away from wanting to learn something is being part of a really great community. Um, and ACES exceeded that in any, any way imaginable. And I think that's where the majority of my learning came from. Because even if you have all these other resources with um, seminars or now they're online courses. There's all sorts of different things that you can do to get this information. You're, it's, it's very unlikely that you're going to do that by yourself. Um, I think a good example of that is like 
as as a kid, I remember taking piano lessons. Like tons of people took piano lessons when I was a kid. Um, and the reason I'm bringing that this up is how many people still play the piano now? Not very many. And I think the reason for that is because there wasn't like a solid group of people that participated with you. It was just you. You were at the thing. You had to do all the practicing yourself. And that made it really tough. Whereas when you're in a group of people that are all doing the same thing, now that we're in college, let's change the subject to cybersecurity for me. Everybody is in the same program and everybody is practicing all the time. Um, and that makes all the resources that much more valuable. So I, that, that's what I'm going to push in this podcast. The, the main theme for me is finding a community where you can take advantage of all these great resources that are already available online. Yeah, um, well, and I think well, that's, that's where it really comes down to. Let me say certainly, I mean, what you're really talking about is accountability, right? And when you're, yes. when you're in that group of people, all like-minded, all doing it together, there's a great, greater chance of success. We see this in a lot of different areas. Uh, you know, you talked about music. Sports is one of those, right, where if you're going to – and, and Ashton, I understand you've been taking Christian out for some runs yes, uh, yeah. lately. And may, maybe there was a trade-off of, uh, of, of something. He, you're going to run him and something else. But anyways, yeah, so there's that accountability. Christian, is your running getting any better, by the way? Yeah, you know, cut off a mile, a minute and a half per mile in my last, uh, my last outdo. So, you That's know, a yeah. perfect example, though. Like right, in high school, is. I ran for the track and cross-country team, and I ran all the time, and everybody did because we were all in this really close-knit group of the team. And then you get to college, and last year I hardly ran half as much as I did. Um, because I only ran with you know one or two other people I knew that ran, right. and this year I'm getting back into it because I'm back on the club running team. So like that's another example of when you have people that are like-minded and doing the same thing. That's really what allows you to take advantage of the things that were already there before. I mean, there's nothing stopping me from running except the mentality that it was just me going out there to do it. Yeah, and I, it's interesting too because I feel like sci- I can't even believe I'm saying this, but it, I, I, it's true. A cyber has kind of become a social thing, at least, especially at the collegiate level. But um, you know, I think a lot of people have these visions of like, oh, cyber hacker in dark basement with mm-hmm. you know very white skin, hasn't seen sunlight in three weeks. Uh, the the LED radiation is burning out his eye, his irises, and you know it's y- yes, there are those people. Full disclosure, um, but. <laughs> A lot of people who are getting interested in the field are really, um, I think they're doing it for social reasons at first. Um, But that community that's like, you know, everyone's engaging each other and then, you know, everyone wants to be able to show who can show their stuff, you know, in terms of the technical capabilities. And I think that pushes people forward to uh, stick with it. And, you know, just just me sitting around these guys, you know, I pick up all sorts of stuff um, that I previously didn't uh, know in, in the depth that I do because everyone picks their little, you know, favorite piece of the of the pie and they they own it and that's that's where the sharing kind of starts to happen and that and that's pretty cool to see um one of the big things that uh students do here is every year the um mdc3 uh maryland cyber challenge which is a statewide cyber competition in maryland and it's really designed to kind of call students and uh, aspiring infosec uh, professionals to you know take take cybersecurity as a career path uh, pretty seriously and you know we just have uh, we have you know 68 freshmen in this program we had a very high participation rate of freshmen in our uh, competition teams off the bat this year which uh, was higher than what we had even in our first class of students uh, and and again it's not so much that they came in with all this knowledge and understanding and expertise but you know all the guys are getting together and hanging out on the on the large screens and playing around with these vms and and learning um and it kind of starts with everyone saying hey let's get together and do this and i i think you know some teams are going for the the kind of the gold let's make sure we outperform everyone else and uh and and do really and perform really well uh, but I think you know there are a fair number of teams that just register so that they can kind of get a get a sense of what it's like, get a get get a feel of the ropes, uh, so to speak, and that really has captivated a lot more people into going kind of a step further than what they would have if you know they were just sitting there reading a textbook about the same types of uh, subject matter. 
Hey, let me ask you guys this question. And so it's really easy from an academic setting. You know, you're there, big groups. It makes accountability a lot easier. But what about the average security guy that might be listening to this podcast? You know, most companies, they've got one or two guys or gals that are kind of man in the security booth, so to speak. And they're, they, they might feel all alone. Uh, out there, yeah. and this, yeah, this might be a little out of your realm, but Ashton, you, you look like you're ready to answer. Yeah, what's, I, what's there for them? Yeah, so I'm, uh, the, the point of this wasn't to come in and be like, oh, um, isn't this thing we have great? Too bad that you don't have it. Uh, <laughs> we, th th it's definitely not uh, the same situation, and I, I, I understand that there's um, kind of the feeling of like isolation in a lot of IT departments. Yeah. Um, I work for a company called SGT. And with some of the, the people that I've had a chance to work with uh, have spoken about um, positions that they've worked at other companies where there's a lot of friction between the IT department and um, the financial department, for example, because th this kind of gets off into the economics of it, but it, it's challenging to justify some of the decisions they're making on a cost savings basis um, versus it's not really a revenue generating field for cybersecurity or more trying to reduce this risk. Um, and that kind of isolates this, this group of people that are working on defending things. And other people don't really necessarily know what's going on there. Um, so I understand that. The, the way that SGT handles that sort of like isolation is bringing in people that work on a bunch of different contracts. So they, it's a, SGT is a company that um, contracts for a lot of government services. And they'll bring people that are working on these very different tasks. With a, it, it could be completely different things. It might, one might be in cybersecurity, one might be in uh, database management, one might be in cloud services. And when you come together, um, they'll have these, uh, I can't remember exactly what they're called, but they're essentially like lunch um, tech talks. And everybody gets together, they kind of present what they're working on, what they've learned from what they've done, and um, then they get to answer questions that other people are asking. And I'm going to be hosting, well, co-hosting with some of the people I'm working on a project with, one about what we're doing. Um, and that, uh, I think that's a pretty good example of how you can get people together to talk about their learnings in cybersecurity and share them with other people um, and sort of bridge that gap that, that's, that exists between them. Um, another example of this, I'm sure Christian can talk to a greater degree about this, is meetups are a great place to learn more and kind of bond with other people that are doing similar things in cybersecurity and a, uh, at an enterprise level. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm looking at some in D.C., yeah, that's so. One of the things I was just going to talk about in general, even if we didn't go on that tangent, was how um, essential uh, meetups can be to kind of just getting to know who the people are in your area that are you know doing this and and have that social experience for for no cost, and you get to learn a lot of really cool stuff. So, uh, meetup.com, uh, it's it's a service that is basically meets up meetups for all sorts of uh, different things, but there's a bunch of people that use meetup.com for um, all sorts of technology-based uh, interest groups. So, uh, you know, I, I initially used meetup.com for big data because there's not a lot of people um, just wandering around talking about big data unless you're in a concentrated core group, right? But then you go to these meetups and all of a sudden it's like, bam, you know, a hundred of the most interested and engaged people in that topic are all sitting in the same room talking about and, and listening to presentations. And I find those perhaps the most easily engaging way to just go out for a night and spend time learning stuff and get to know people who you can do stuff with down the road. It doesn't cost you thing all you got to do is get there they normally provide food at the events um and there's you know plenty of uh, what regardless of the technology area you're interested in so we're talking cyber but i mean big data machine learning uh general it you name it there's probably a meetup out there for you um and it's in your area so i love going to these maybe I, you know, I really try and get out once a month uh, just to see what people are talking around in the area. Um, and obviously the conversations that go on in cybersecurity and big data in D.C. are very pertinent to my interests and are very relevant. Um, so I particularly like to know what other people within my radius uh, are thinking. So, you know, I just 
just pulling up an example here, there's a group on meetup.com called, well, Cybersecurity, uh, Capital Area Cybersecurity User Group. And this Wednesday at 6 o'clock, they're hosting a uh, Windows 7 exploitation demo where they basically go through and show you all these different ways to uh, manipulate and gain access to vulnerable Windows 7 machines. And it's hosted at one of Lockheed Martin's uh, uh, office facilities in Rockville. So, I mean, these are big companies that sponsor and host these events too. It's not like you're going to show up in someone's basement and, uh, you know, get together around a 20 year old projector. Typically, uh, big companies, organizations will sponsor these for the smaller guys. And it's a really great way, uh, to get that crossover between, uh, you know, people doing it in industry, people who are doing it as consultants and people who want to get involved. Yeah, and I think another example of that that you can <clears throat> attend without even having to leave your room is um, kind of what we have going on here with the podcast, like being in a virtual group of people where you have input from, I mean, there's still sort of an audience um, speaker distinction, but you, you have input from the community and you feel like you belong uh, hopefully, I mean, I would imagine that the people that keep returning to these uh, podcasts have a sense that they are kind of part of this group of people that are interested in podcasting and have, or, I mean, rather cybersecurity, and uh, have questions about it and are able to get those answered. Um, and I, I, th there are other examples of this where there's even less, like, audience um, present presenter dis uh, distinctions made, where forums, I think, are the best example of that, and I'm sure you can speak to that as well because of uh, net... NetBios, I believe it's called, your the, the website with for the BIOS mods. Uh, uh, yeah. that's, that's a perfect example. Forums, I think, in particular, are a perfect example of places that you can go to not only be a part of community, but also get specific questions you have about uh, a, the field answered. So if you want to know exactly how to implement a certain type of intrusion detection system, chances are there are other people who are trying to do similar things or have had it done in the past, and there's information out there. You just have to be able to find the people that have done it. Um, and almost always there's kind of niche forums that, that get this task done. Um, I'm sure almost everyone here has used Stack Overflow at some point, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Um, better examples are ones where it's focused to a specific field where there's sort of like returning um, attendance to the threads and like the, you, you continue to check them out after the fact. But um, the, the big takeaway is that you can have these communities of people that are interested in cybersecurity uh, in a virtual space without ever having to leave your room if you wanted to, and you just have to go out and find them. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening to this have called forums at one time or another. I think the difference is between, you know, I, there are forums where people are what definitional leechers, just leech and go type of people. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that makes up a big form base. Uh, but a lot of people, um, you know, it's, it's more about community building and getting people who are coming back and engaging over the same thing. I just think that, you know, it's really different when you're having that in-person interaction. Yeah. Someone's, you know, giving you the op, they're providing you this really great social venue and just, Hey, get yourself out here and we'll kind of take care of the rest. And I think that's uh, really, uh, I mean, a pretty cool thing. I mean, if I want to go to the cybersecurity user group and learn about Windows 7 exploitations, which I'm by no means like a residential expert on as of today, hop in my car and go learn about it. I think that's the whole point of what a, what meetup.com gives people in general. But I think it's really great for uh, the whole cybersecurity perspective. And, you know, let me also say, you know, if you don't have one of those going on, if you go to meetup.com, by the way, meetup.com has awesome SEO from what I understand. So if you want to promote, if you're doing a podcast in your area or you want to get ranked high on Google for whatever reason, get get on meetup, start a meetup on meetup.com. And everything, everybody I talk to is like, man, they've got awesome SEO. But um, you can start one in your area. And oftentimes uh, there is a small cost associated with meetup. So um, you know, I, it's, there's a certain dollar amount. It's not a lot, but certainly you can, you can go through meetup.com. Start your own group in your area. If there isn't one, put one together, try it once, invite some folks out get some help with some local people to, you know, tweet it out or whatever. Um, it, very easy to start user groups. We've done that here in the Omaha area. And, uh, there's a lot of those that are that way and are, are very successful that way. 
Yeah, and I just want to share kind of a short story to, to shift into our, our next subject, kind of. Um, <clears throat> I, like, distinctly remember, if, if you're not sold on the whole concept of um, continuing education in cybersecurity, I, I remember when I was, like, maybe 10 or 11, I think I was in just starting middle school, and, like, every day I can remember my dad um, reading articles about cars in the morning because he's... he's uh, he works for car, car in car sales, and I remember asking him like, "Why are you still doing this after you graduated college? Like, what, haven't you learned enough that you wouldn't have to do this and you can just work your job and not have to study all the statistics on on car sales and stuff like that?" And he, he said, "Well, if I don't continuously learn, I'll never be at the the front edge of of what I'm doing. I'll never be at the the top level. Um, and if you get to the bottom level, then." I'll lose my job. Um, and I then remember thinking like, oh, duh, that makes sense. Yeah. But the, yeah. It, it's kind of easy to forget. And even I've thought to myself like, well, once I graduate college, then I'll be set and I can start to produce instead of just consuming information. Um, and that's not ever going to happen. It's got to be a continuous, simultaneous process uh, of learning and, and uh, using that information and applying it. Um, so... I think you know meetups are one way of doing that, but also just keeping in mind that the the time that you're spending in these specific fields adds up, and you start to become kind of better and better at understanding the field as a whole. Um, so that was just something that I would I thought of while we were talking about this. That I don't know if that resonates with anyone else. Yeah, but. no, I th I think it does, Ash, and I think that's a good. I mean. We're always talking about the podcasting medium is a way of doing that as well. You know, this is why we do this, right? You guys, we yeah. want to share the information that you guys know. So podcasting is another way to get that done. There's just a lot of, there. That no, right on. That's good stuff. And to facilitate that, like, sort of constant consumption of information so that you can apply it, uh, one of the things I've found that's really helpful is sort of, so... I was a big, like, Flappy Bird fan. I don't know if you've ever played that game on your phone. It's just Classic. all sorts of stupid games on my phone I used to play um, through most of, like, my early years in high school and stuff. Um, and I, I used to have, you know, sometimes my dad or my mom or other people would say, hey, you should read this article, and I'd read it, and then I'd discard it. Um, what I found was really helpful to sort of use my off time when I'm, you know, commuting or traveling uh, or just can't. I have to wait for something. Um, having the some sort of article retrieval app, so for example, Feedly or Google Reader when it was supported was a good example of use, this that I used to use. Just having um, those subscriptions that automatically retrieve those articles and get them for you and then reading those when you don't have anything else to do um, is a great way of kind of just learning without even realizing you're doing it. So you get these like, essentially the way the applications work are you, you just get the articles are all in one place, regardless of their location, um, and you subscribe to their RSS feeds. I know this this podcast probably has one. Uh, probably has very many because it's on so many different locations. It has um, a few. <laughs> yeah, and and then you can read them when you don't, or listen to them, or view them when you aren't doing anything else. Um, and I think that mentality can be really helpful. And you don't realize how much time you spend just sort of off time. That's not like in uh, engaged in any one thing, and if you leverage that to be learning time instead of just flappy bird time or whatever it may be, uh, then you can really take advantage of all the all the minutes in a day yeah. and get closer to the the amount of time, the sort of mythical ten thousand hours to become an expert in in your field. Well, and and so Ashton, you mentioned the ten thousand hours, right? Yes. That uh, that yeah. concept is a concept as it takes. 10,000 hours to go from zero to mastery in, right. in any kind of, right, with any kind of specialized skill. Um, let me ask you guys this question. Ashton, I'll start with you. Where you're at today, maybe name the resource or two resources that you're leaning on right now in your education. You know, you get it all day long. Maybe you don't need to go yeah. outside and get anything else. But are there are there outside resources that you're following in these areas that aren't necessarily required reading? And Ashton, I'll start with you. Any of those resources? Um, in terms of like sources of articles, reading material, or? articles, podcasts, any of that kind of stuff. If, we, if we're talking about the average listener, that's like here, either both in college or outside as a professional. 
what are you or what have you found that is like you, you know this is my this is some go-to material right. not necessarily yeah. assigned to you um yeah none of none of the things i read regularly are like assigned to me for homework um i mean usually the the like assignments i'll get for class are always sort of random um the ones that i follow pretty regularly are it pro professionals and i believe that is a uh, a british based magazine um, that has a lot of really up-to-the-minute information on um, on IT and cybersecurity. Uh, another one I'm a big fan of is GigaOM. Um, that's G-I-G-A-O-M. And that also has a lot of information on big data and leveraging that for cybersecurity and things really? like that. Really? GigaOM does? I think, so. if I'm thinking of the right one. Yeah, unless... no, I, I, I'm familiar with that. I, I know them more as a kind of a tech, as a general tech um, site, but I haven't dug in. I'll have to take a peek at I that. Might, yeah. I might be subscribed to like only a specific subset of the yeah. articles. No, which is, you, you could be. Uh, I mean, we forget that some of these sites like The Verge or TechCrunch or some yeah. of those have some very niche writers that, that are in, you know, that that, uh, that write for them. So, um, yeah. you know, very, very could possibly be. Uh, Christian, maybe I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll pass the torch to Christian. I can yeah, actually Christian, bring out my list and check it well, out. It, yeah, I, I surprised you with that question. A little <laughs> no pop problem. quiz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm really big on uh, dark reading, which is like a subsection website of uh, Information Week, and it's just purely um, cybersecurity, and it's it's really great because they do these. They're mostly uh, commentary and op-ed pieces about just stuff going on in general, and uh, I think it, it it has some really thorough stuff. I mean, I haven't. There's very few times I've read articles on this site that were like you know half-ass put together. They're really normally fully kind of giving you an idea of all the different perspectives and talk about I guess what's gripping people in the area. So dark reading always gives me a good sense of kind of what people are thinking and what the buzzwords of the day are and that kind of thing. Uh, so that has been probably on my higher list of uh, favorite sites as of recent. Um, one of the things I was going to mention in terms of just like site resources that even I'm taking my own advice now because I just started doing this, but I think this is really relevant to like the, I guess the info infosec plus plus group is uh, going back and reading all of the presentations at DEFCON for the 22 years worth of conferences they've had uh, you know this was just this year was the 22nd conference and they post they have all the presentations all the audio all the video of all those uh, presentations done um, over the past uh, 22 conferences and there's just a wealth of information on kind of you know these are examples of kind of what I like to call the uh, homebrew elite and what do I mean by that you know these are guys some of them are infosec professionals some of them are those guys I talk about who sit in their basement um, some of them are, are students uh, we had one of our very own Franz uh, Payer who's in the ACES program uh, had a paper and uh, presentation accepted to DEFCON last year and uh, that's you know pretty big uh, props we would say in the in the cyber uh, circles for hey you got your you got a presentation accepted at DEFCON. That's not something everyone can say every day. Um, and, you know, those are just, they show kind of the ingenuity of what some of these more advanced cyber attacks are instead of the script kitty stuff that we always hear about and uh, learn about. So it really kind of opens your mind to seeing how other people think and approach these problems. And uh, DEFCON is, I think, one of the biggest examples of... <laughs> Um, what would we call, you know, a social a social meetup? It's like a it's a it's a meetup.com of the masses, right? It's a you know paid for conference, and there's you know multiple days involved and so forth. But uh, it's still what makes DefCon successful is that social element and that hacker culture. And I think having understanding what it means to have hacker culture I think helps you kind of get a grasp for what the social interconnects of being in, involved with cybersecurity is um, and and that is really reflected at these these larger conferences so Defcon Black Hat the Hope uh, Hackers Conference in New York City all of them have a very different feel to be honest uh, 
uh, Black Hat, for example, is I would consider to be kind of much more enterprisey, whereas DEFCON is kind of much more homebrew, in my opinion, as is the Hope Conference. Um, so you really can get a wide breadth, and you know, if someone gives you a free ticket to one of those conferences and you can swing the airfare, do it because it's a great way to see kind of some of the best of what's going on in uh, in real time. And you know, DEFCON is really awesome about you know here's a historical archive of everything that's been presented uh, year to date and that just shows some of the coolest stuff and, and some cool white papers um, just to kind of give you an example uh, we have everything from you know a guy this year figured out how to bypass the Kerberos um, authentication in Windows which is uh, kind of like a, a big ooh problem because uh, enterprises pretty much rely on I don't know their domain security and administrators being who they say they are uh, but that's something that you could go find out about today and read and re relive that presentation even though you didn't go to the conference um, our friend Franz did a a really great presentation on how to use JavaScript to basically exploit these uh, music streaming services like Pandora and Last.fm and basically, uh, you know, just rip and stream all these media files directly off the server onto your drive as if you just, you know, bought albums in bulk off uh, iTunes. So there's all sorts of really cool, diverse stuff going on in those conference spaces. And that's a great way to, you know, if you got the fundamentals and you have kind of the, the, the basic skill sets to try some of this advanced stuff, head out to DEFCON and read because there's some really cool stuff that uh, you can just kind of sit there and, and tink, tinker over and think on for you know weeks at a time. Um, this will be this will be confusing in branding but the kind of opposite edge spectrum is there's this thing called Cyber Aces and no way is it affiliated with uh, the Aces program or the fact that we do cyber. Uh, I, I was going to ask you that. I was like is that going on there? At this yeah, point? no. Uh, this is actually run by the SANS Institute, and uh, it's just uh, cyberaces.org forward slash courses. And they kind of give you, you know, what are those fundamentals to reading stuff on uh, something like DEF CON? This, this course offering right here is it. It basically gives you the, the a free offering to uh, get content on the basics of networking, operating systems, and sysadmin uh, tasks. And that's really kind of the... I would say uh, where the, where the where the buck starts. Uh, normally, say where the buck stops, but uh, in this case, <laughs> it's where it starts. Um, and those kind of core um, learnings is what will let you read some of that more advanced stuff. And the fact that that stuff is free and it's coming from someplace like the Sands Institute um, is a really cool uh, thing to to take a look at. And and that's also kind of going along with this newer trend of uh, the age of online learning so I think a lot of people are really into this notion of like Coursera has been really big um, and just the fact that you can basically have your own collegiate experience from the comfort of your own desktop um, that's that's an attractive idea to a lot of people um, and so you know Sands Institute's kind of a natural extension of that I think um, so like I said, there's all sorts of stuff, whether it's conferences, social meetups, um, you know, these, these online classes, um, pretty, pretty awesome to see, uh, happening. And these are the types of things where you know, if you didn't get in at that ground level in college or in school learning cyber, this is how you can kind of catch up to where everyone else is. And I would say the, the learning curve some will probably say is steep some will probably say hey this is really fun and eat it right up but i'm i feel relatively confident in saying and i don't feel confident in saying much these days but i feel relatively confident in saying that uh if you were to dedicate your time to this and really apply yourself uh you know i i'm confident you could get uh the types of things and skills that you would see at a college level and and be able to start learning and competing in that space and i mean the reality is a lot of people um i almost feel like uh college cybersecurity is somewhat of a minority uh topic because a lot of the people who are legends in this stuff are not even really from research academia education or all of the above so I think it, it's kind of funny for us to be saying this because 
this is really, I would say, you know, in the last three years, this is the first time universities have even cared about cybersecurity, right? We weren't pouring money into cybersecurity classes or uh, programs like this uh, three years ago. So uh, I guess we can still claim minority card in this case. Uh, but, you know, that's just shows you how what a wide spectrum of people are, are involved in this stuff day in and day out. Yeah. And the, the to your point about the cybersecurity minority, um, it's kind of a bizarre phenomenon because there's kind of a shortage of, of cybersecurity professionals immediately coming out of... I mean, that's not surprising considering that it's not... It is a minority in college. Um, but there's going to be this extreme demand for cybersecurity skills and experience that's just not going to be there in time, I would imagine, because... And there, there, there are sources that confirm this. I should drop some of those in the show notes. Um, I was just reading articles about how about cybersecurity and education, why it's important. One of the main reasons is not just because you know everybody wants to get really good. It's because we need we're, the enterprise is going to need more professionals in it um, before they're kind of ready. So uh, I, I'd be interested to see whether or not a, a cybersecurity majors start to emerge. I know there's sort of specialization programs within colleges right now. Um, Aces is a good example because beyond it just being a program, you also get kind of a citation on your major. Um, I know more and more places are doing that, but I, I want to say University of Maryland is one of the first. Um, so it's good to see that the education curve is kind of catching up to the demand curve for it, um, and it's going to have to happen faster in the future because right now it's not they're not merged up yet. Um, just going quickly back to some of the other sources of information that I use, um, I wanted to name drop SC Magazine. Um, yeah, that's good. Uh, what do you know? What SC stand for? Uh, security something uh, of all things, uh, of course. It says that the subtext is for security professionals. And um, when I first looked at it, I thought Southern California, and I'm from yeah. Southern California, so I was like, that's a perfect fit. Um, it's not about Southern California at all. It's yeah. a security magazine um, with really good current, up-to-date app uh, articles on the topic. And yeah. I recommend that. So we'll drop that in the show notes as well. And, and pro tip, they they got some interesting. Uh, I, I don't know what they do there, but um, like so the website's great, um, but they also have this like uh, service where they basically give this magazine away in print form free. And I only know this because like my first couple weeks at Gallup, I kept getting calls for someone else who apparently was subscribed to this thing who used to work at Gallup, and they were just you know every day we want to give you your new SC magazine at no cost to you. And I'm sitting here like, <laughs> why? Um, but uh, yeah, so this I yeah. guess this is consumable in multiple formats if that's of issue to any uh, or of interest to anyone. Uh, but yeah, they do put good content on there. Um, I can tell you that just by looking at their homepage and seeing we're talking about DEF CON, there's a check plus plus, um, there's some interesting over overtones with uh, privacy, some technology, um, some people moving around, uh, so I, I like it, I dig it. Yeah, it's, it's a really good source of information there, um, and I just want to drop one more which is kind of completely out of the realm of cybersecurity, they might do an article every once in a blue moon on it, but they're really big into big data. Um, and I just love their articles, is 538. It's actually, um, it's created by this guy named Nate Silver who does predictions for Senate and Congress races, um, it predictions on those, and is accurate to within like 99%. And they expand it out into sports, into life. The, the main focus of it is just using statistics to evaluate different phenomena that occur in life and... Uh, I strongly recommend that. The the numbers are spelled out in the name, so we'll put that in the show notes as well, but it's 538 with 530 and 8, actually, like, the, the words and not the numbers. Um, and then I, I, I wanted to come back to one thing, which we've kind of skirted around now, and I'll, I'll answer my own question first, and I'll open up to Christian. But um, how do you... So there's all of these great resources that are online, but sort of impersonal. You're not face-to-face -face with the people you're talking to, you're consuming, but you don't see the person who's producing these articles. How does that compare with face-to-face -face interaction with other professionals in the field or with a teacher or a professor or, um, you know, whatever may be in person? And I'll start by saying that I think 90% of the time 
you are better off at least starting with a face-to-face -face interaction because going back to what Jim said, it, it kind of creates accountability and in some cases a healthy kind of competitiveness. So when, when you have that face-to-face -face interaction, I just I can't help but think that's more valuable in a lot of cases. Um, but that's not to say that you shouldn't use that as sort of a base to jump off and use all these other free resources that are online and virtualized. Um, so I don't know, do you have any like specific opinions on that, Christian, as far as the differences between, you know, like in-person and, and like online sources of information for cybersecurity? Yeah, I mean, I just, I guess my, my preach tone on that is to try and get a mix of both because I feel like, um, you know, we have to... There are some things that are really helpful to do in groups, but there's also comes a point where you want to like sit down for yourself and try things yourself and internalize it a bit. And I think we see that in like school a lot. So you know the people who always want to be studying in groups are people who don't always do well in their tests because they just think, well, if I study in the groups and you know no one else asks any questions and I must know everything, and they just perish miserably. Um, so you really have to kind of like take take the, the valuable tidbits from when you're with people, but then go go back to your little uh, private sanctuary of knowledge and try and, uh, and ruminate on that a little bit and then build it out. So, and, and I guess with all things, uh, you know, practice makes perfect, and this kind of gets into uh, the, the Malcolm Gladwell rule on, on outliers. And one of, his, one of his rules is basically 10,000 hours of practice and you're you know, a certified pro in this area, and uh, there will be plenty of people who go back and forth on whether or not that's true, um, but there is a lot of uh, merit to the notion of the more, you know, kind of individualized attention you give to something uh, consistently, so day in and day out, and not just like, you know, one day you're putting it in 50 hours, and then, you know, you're not touching it again for a month. You need to be touching it a little bit every single day. I think that's one of the most important things is that... Um, What's what's the example? The the example is like my Twitter usage. I'm, exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm anything, a, that, anything that gives you those notifications. Yeah. Right. So I'm I'm like the total serial pathological terrible Twitter user. That's like one week I'm like okay I got Twitter down to a science and I just spend a week on it I'm having a great time and then I'm like. Yeah, no, I don't really know what I'm doing. And then I just stop for like two weeks, and then I get these little emails from Twitter like, hey, where'd you go? We kind of liked you being on our site. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try again. And, and the cycle repeats itself. Um, you really don't want to do that on things that matter. Um, cybersecurity may not matter to you as anything more than a hobby, at which point um, all the more power to you. But if you want to get good at it, uh, you got to put in some consistent time every day. Um, we used to get this notion beat into our heads um, in music school, uh, which I was in for uh, 14 plus years uh, professionally. And uh, one of the one of the sayings used to be, "One day no practice, one day no eat," was uh, <laughs> was a very uh, popular phrase and adopted by uh, Sinichi Suzuki, who is a uh, large uh, music teacher in, in Japan, but I digress. Uh, but point being, uh, keep in, keep in, keep doing something every day. I, I would say mixing things up with that social interaction and that you know, kind of taking it back and doing it yourself is probably the best way to do it. Yeah. And to uh, clarify what we're referencing here with the 10,000 hours, which um, I imagine most people have heard by now in some form, um, it is a sort of outlined in. Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, which um, I've not read, so I'm uh, one of those people who has can preach it but has not uh, read the whole thing. So, And then there's also, I, I'm not sure if this is by him, but Talent is Overrated is another book that I have read um, about sort of the similar concept of uh, the, the 10,000 hours and how um, it's not so much where you come in starting to the, the field, so maybe you know nothing about cybersecurity, but you have a serious passion for it. That is far more important than whatever skills you had coming in. Um, because it is a, a constant thing, like Christian was saying. You have to be up to date um, and putting in time on a consistent basis. Um, I, I think that's especially true in cybersecurity because it's not like some other fields which are sort of static. It's, it's constantly changing, too. Uh, it's like if every day you woke up and the the field had shifted just a little bit or it was 
a little bit different than it was before, and that is compounded every single day. It's 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 changing, and if you're not up to date with that, and if you're not on the the leading edge of it, then you'll get left behind. Um, and so even when we say ten thousand hours, um, it's it's probably good to be a little bit skeptical of that. Um, because if you say, hey, I got my 10,000 hours, I'm done learning, I'm an expert, then you'll get left behind because it's not a, a set number where you're at 999 or you know whatever it is, one less than that, and you don't know anything, and then you're at 10,000 and you know everything. Um, it's not that, for one. And for two, the timing of when you learn the things is important as well. So yes, the 10,000 hours is important, but it is sort of a heuristic or a rule that was made to just easily reference. Um, and the more important things to remember, I would say, is pre practice consistently, um, practice things that are up to date, and if you can, take advantage of these new software and applications that are out there that easily remind you that the, the this information is available to you and, and make it in an easily consumable form. Ashton, what about some tips for some practical things you can be doing? So we've talked about education, we've talked about different sites that you know you can go to to learn. Are there actual sites out there that I can kind of practice? You know, if I if I want to talk about hacking or if I ethical hacking, of course, mm -hmm. is what we want to talk about. What's available to me if I if I want to try some of those things or get more involved in that kind of stuff? Yeah. So personally, I really uh, I'm I'm going to get back to your questions. But I just want to say one thing really quick first. I am not a huge fan of like standard classes where you go into a lecture and you listen to someone sort of like preach at you for X number of minutes and then you go and do these precisely defined problems where you get a list of inputs and you make a set of outputs. Um, because then I kind of feel like I'm in this very narrow tunnel and there's no room to, uh, to kind of experiment. So I personally, um, and I, this is sort of a, a college student advantage that I have, but I, I really, really enjoy the research that I'm doing. Um, I'm doing. I was working under a graduate student last semester, and I've probably learned more in that semester about the field that I did it in. I was working in machine learning um, for intrusion detection, and I learned so much. But there really was very little instruction to me. It was all about going out and finding these papers on the subject, reading them, and then, uh, as far as what I actually did, was going through and using libraries and machine learning and applying them to this data set that I had to to detect anomalies. Um, and I loved it because I felt like I had kind of come up with the idea and I had the flexibility to experiment with it. So not everyone is going to have the ability to work underneath a graduate student to do research and you know try and write a paper or whatever it may be. However, I would recommend that you find something that you're passionate about doing and find a way that you can experiment with it um, and maybe do it a little bit different than it's done before or... Uh, you know, make it your own, and that way, that'll just kind of add to the feeling that you're you're learning something, and it's 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 got that individual component to it. Um, and then once that's the case, and you found something that you're interested in, you have an opportunity to share with other people, and the loop just kind of continues like that, which we were going back to when we were talking about groups and communities in cybersecurity. Um, so I know that was kind of a roundabout way of answering the question, but um, to be more specific, I know Christian has some specific sites that you can. Um, hack. One is called, fittingly enough, Hack This Site, which is sort of an ethical hacking um, website where it gives you tips on um, and different suggestions. I know I did it like a couple which of years ago. I don't really open remember. Open DNS well. blocks, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. So right. I have I have our Open DNS security settings here. Set up medium. I think that's the kind of the level. That's the sweet spot for us. And uh, they're sorry. They said it's been blocked. Sorry, where it's blocked. If it shouldn't be, it's well, it's diagnosed, and I think this is where it gets it as a um, proxy. It sees it as a proxy, so there must be some proxy features in there that. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'll have to check my um, and I'll double check my um, Open DNS settings here too to see what. <clears throat> well, I have another alternative. Yeah. Um, well, no, I'm not I, saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's yeah, bad. Yeah. I'm just saying well, that's. And to be fair, the, the, if I was to see that site name without context, I think I would um, definitely be suspicious of it. Yeah. So uh, I, I can imagine that it um, throws up some red flags on a lot of security um, measures. But uh, another good opportunity for, um, especially for college students, but this is open to, I, I think they're open to enterprise-level competitions as well, but the... the uh, 
there's a lot of cybersecurity competitions out there that are really geared around finding vulnerabilities and um, sort of merge in with the ethical hacking community to make this competitive environment um, where you can test your skills and, and, and learn from that. So if you're looking for something to actually do, I would definitely suggest looking at things like the MDC3, uh, which is a, a cyber challenge for, for college students at Maryland. I know, Christian, can you kind of uh, elucidate that for us? I, I don't, you have some information in the show notes that we're going to release. Yeah, well, that's, uh, well, just the competition itself is basically, you know, students, it's not going, so there are some competitions where you actually go and you get together and you do stuff, and sometimes they're like 24-hour straight events, 36 hours are spread out. This one's interesting because, like, you can basically form the groups wherever, and it's online competition sites, so, like, you download the materials you need, and then you compete um, from wherever you guys want to set up space. Uh, so this is actually really cool for us because um, part of our new building space here is a, an, the ACES uh, Cybersecurity Lab in the ground floor of this building, which was uh, paid by Northrop. And that is like an awesome space for us to just kind of do those types of things. Um, so that's that's a nice example of like you pick your friend group, but you're also like doing some learning kind of in-house, so to speak. So that's that's a good example of, like, if you want to get the ropes for where you stack up to other people, like, just form a team and, and, and have fun with that on a weekend. And it's kind of a low-cost investment for you to, to do uh, and participate in. Yeah, and, I mean, if you... Perhaps you're saying to yourself now, or saying to us, uh, well, Christian Ash, I don't live in... in uh, or near Maryland. I, what, what do I do if I, if I want to be part of these... Uh, types of events. Well, for for one, I think they're becoming more and more virtual, um, and like you said, that you can kind of set those up anywhere. Uh, I'd need to look around a little bit more to find like specific examples of where, like I know Franz, uh, to reference him again, is setting up a, uh, making sort of a business out of these virtual cybersecurity competitions, um, and I would imagine, I, I'd make a strong prediction that in the next couple of years, those are going to become more and more popular at the enterprise level and not just at the college level. Um, in addition, um, uh, I can actually say for a fact that there is one for machine learning, and I've sort of dabbled in the competitions that they've held by a site called Kaggle. That's K-A-G-G-L-E. Um, and it's it's more of a big data spin, but it'll give you these labeled data sets that are released by, sometimes they're released by companies or, or websites that have this information, and um, they'll leverage people that want to, participate in this competition to find the best way of identifying whatever it may be. Maybe it's anomalies or uh, scams or um, you know, really anything in these data sets. And the winner gets, sometimes it's a cash prize, sometimes it's just the thrill of the competition. Um, and that, that's a big data one. Um, I'm sure there are examples for, for cybersecurity that are similar where you can get involved in, from anywhere and um, Still, you know, again, there's that community component where you're competing against other people, and it gives your skills a real challenge um, in a in a realistic and practical way. So I, I would suggest looking at different competitions that you can get involved with if you want to really do something with with cybersecurity. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, we are at the hour mark, and uh, so time to start bringing this thing in for landing. Anything? You guys actually did a really nice job of covering all the show notes. We did nothing in order <laughs> tonight. <laughs> it was great, but I, but we really plowed through, and we added some additional uh, bits to the show notes. I will remind you, if you get through this, we'll include all of this in the show notes. We'll clean it up a little bit. And uh, so if you missed a link and you want to go back and uh, and have a look at it uh those will all be available in the show notes uh, out at theaverageguy.tv. Um, uh, it'd also be great. This would be also be a great opportunity to call in your questions for this stuff. So call us 402. Quick, write this down. 402-478-8450. Ask these guys your question. Just call it in. Ask them the question next show, uh, which we were talking about in the show notes just a minute ago. When we're going to do that, we'll uh, both of them will ask it. It'll be a great way to get your questions into the program as well. So, guys, as we wrap this up, uh, anything else you want to cover? Uh, just one quick thing. Um, we mentioned a lot of websites. You don't necessarily have to strictly go to those to get good articles because now, you know, with Twitter um, or blogs or things like that, a lot of people will sort of give you a compendium of all of them 
Um, and you'll get more sources that way by listening to a few respected individuals that are pulling from you know, 20 of the most popular magazines and some of the ones that you've never heard of. So just keep in mind that you don't necessarily have to be up to date on the websites if you're using things um, like following the blogs or the Twitter feeds from people that you respect in the field. Yeah, and Twitter has some really good um, resources for cybersecurity. There's all sorts of channels that have just dedicated stuff streaming out, like on on the dot minute, so you can just log in whenever you want and, and hop in on conversations and follow hashtags that are of interest to you. Indeed. In fact, Cyber Frontiers, and I was just going to look that up to see which, which that one, there is a full-time streaming uh, podcast. It's hard to say it's a podcast. It could be like more like internet radio because it plays 24-7, and we submitted Cyber Frontiers to it, and they've been, they'll add that to their playlist, and at some point we'll show up in there and play on their 24-hour channel. So that, that's kind of cool. And Let me see if I yeah, can well, look that up. I, yeah, I, I looked it up before it started, and uh, it looks like they picked up our show from last week somehow instead of tonight's. And, uh, no, they won't do it live. It's only off oh, the okay. RSS feed. Yep. Yeah, yep. well, it is in there as a hashtag on air. Um, some of the, I think one of the links was broken, but it, it showed up as on air, so... Well, and so did they pick that up sometime tonight, is is what you're saying? Yeah, the tweet came out four hours ago that oh, okay. our last show was on air. So. so it probably, it tweets, it automatically tweets. He's got that all set up on a scheduler, so it goes out, refreshes the feeds, randomizes it, puts them in a list, and then they he pulls in from the RSS feed, and they just play them 24-7. So that's the way. It's not a live channel necessarily where we, we come on live. But the last show would have gotten played. And do you remember the what's that site name, Christian? Do you do you have? Uh, it's that called Security Cast Radio. Uh, SecurityCastRadio dot. So, I think it's believe dot net. Dot net. Here, let me let me look. Let's yeah, see. I want to. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's dot net. Yep. I'll drop the link. Security Cast. It's just SecurityCast.net. dot net. Oh yeah, Security you there. Yep, SecurityCast.net. So an interesting, um, you know, if you want to, it's it not necessarily, yeah, thanks, Ashton, for getting that in there, not necessarily great for podcasting from a, a put it on your phone and listen to it in the car, although I guess you could if you had great uh, connectivity. But uh, lots of security, um, you know, they, they get kind of the best of the podcast, and they got a lot of them out there and then stream those 24-7. I'm kind of interested off to go back and look at the, um, the Twitter feed now to see that. Uh, to see that show up in there. All right, very cool. Anything else, guys? No, I think that's a wrap. Uh, we're hoping to... <laughs> this sounds like a broken record. We're still trying to get the architecture up for our uh, Cyber Frontier Labs platform, and so hopefully the next time we do one of these, we'll have some forward progress on that that we can talk about how that's being built and what's going to go on there. So stay tuned. Yeah, it's it's in the works, so we'll, we'll let you know when we have stuff to actually talk about for it. Nah, very good. Work in progress. And uh, I'm actually going to speak in of that. I'm going to retweet our... So if you follow me on Twitter, uh, at Jay Collison, and, uh, and you want to follow SecurityCast Radio, you can do that as well. We're now featured out there, Cyber Frontiers. And I do say thanks for looking that up, uh, Christian, because I, I had kind of follow, been following it early, and I was a little skeptical. We actually got added. But I contacted them via Twitter and just said, hey, you should consider Cyber... Uh, cyberfrontiers.info, that's kind of the short link to the show. If you ever want to just, if you can't remember theaverageguy.tv, at least remember cyberfrontiers.info, and uh, that'll that'll bring you over here. And uh, I was a little skeptical, and boom, it got played. So very cool. They were they got us added in there, so it's kind of fun to get on that network. All right, well, remind folks that uh, we are live just about every other Monday. I think we might need to back up to Sunday two weeks from now for you guys. Let's talk about that because I've got an event on Monday. That's actually September 29th. That's uh, the day before National Podcast Day. And I'm doing an event for National Podcast Day here Monday. We can either make it later in the evening for you guys or we'll do it on Sunday. Regardless, I'll let you know via Twitter. So you can just uh, follow me at Jay Collison. Uh, we'll have all the kinds of stuff. We have a schedule on the website as well. If you want to head out there and look and see what's coming up, you can go to TheAverageGuy.tv and there's a Google Calendar schedule in there. And I want to try and keep this very, very regular. So we either do it Sunday or Monday. We'll get this podcast in and get it done. 
And and again, all those links to get subscribed is over at theaverageguy.tv slash subscribe. So if you're a new listener, love to have you join in our community. We get a handful of folks or maybe two handfuls of folks in chat when we do these live. Um, we love that you listen recorded. Love to have you come out and join us live for the live show. Again, Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern is when we generally try and do it out at theaverageguy.tv live. Thanks, Christian. Thanks, Ashton. Ashton, you look great sporting that microphone. That's awesome. And so yeah, thank you. thanks for testing out that arm for us. We'll continue to get some feedback. I'm actually really interested in how long that thing survives. That's kind of the <laughs> that's kind of the question because it was not very expensive. And if it makes it like a couple months in the life of a college student, we'll know it's pretty sturdy. So does, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. does it feel uh, like it might last more than a month or two? Um, it, it seems pretty good. The, the, the springs kind of get in the way of bending it just a little bit. I don't know if that's going to be an issue or not. Yeah. Um, but I mean like it's not falling apart by any means yet. Okay. So, uh, right. I'll, I'll let you know. I mean, out of necessity, I'm going to have to wait a little while before I have any further, um, yeah, yeah, no, we'll, we'll uh, <laughs> that's the whole, the whole reason we gave it to you is to give it kind of a test out. That yeah. was just one of those things. It was, you know, I want to be like, can we get, you know, with these, the springs are built in on these arms, but that cost four. this cost four times more yeah. than that one did. And I kind of want, can you get away with a less expensive arm? And, uh, and so we wanted to, we, we were going to use you as the guinea pig to get that done. And, uh, and right. so thanks thanks for testing it out for us. Yeah, we well, I'll provide it. updates as I, uh, as I have them. As we go along. Well, if it breaks, uh, let me know. We'll be at the podcast or we'll be at the Home Service Show meetup this weekend. So if you're listening live, that's coming up September 20th. And uh, about 35 guys in Indianapolis, and we're looking forward to that. I'll be out there for that. Christian, it, it would be great to have you there, but it's just out of the, yeah, it's out of the question, right, at this sure. point. You just got a lot of stuff going on, and so yeah. we'll have to figure out a way. We need to do a Maryland. Uh, we'll have to do a Maryland meetup at some point and get uh, get you. I need to get on campus. That's just the way it's going to go, and I've been mm-hmm. I've been finagling a way to get out there. to get. You that talk done, to your so. people. I talk to my people. And uh, Yeah. Unfortunately, your people are my people. <laughs> well. So. There's other people here too, but yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on it. So we'll uh, we'll say thanks for listening. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Again, get subscribed, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night.